say five minutes at a time. Um, <laughs> all right, see ya. Um, <laughs> Praise the Lord, brother. I'm already hungry for lunch again. <laughs> you just had breakfast, man. Calm down. Um, sorry, guys. I'm trying to find. Oh, here we go. Okay, I'm going to have my screen on for a while or else this is only be 30 seconds and then I'll have to touch the phone again. The, mess- the title of the message today is, I didn't give Klaus anything, guys. I'm so sorry. That's not the title. That's just what I did with Klaus. You're supposed to have all the verses. Oh, I gave and nothing. Um, we need to quickly finish here and please be patient with me. God's word is good. And by that, I mean, of course it's good, like, it's good, you know, like, a good thing. You know, people get confused sometimes if things are good or bad. If something is good, it's God. So if it's life, life abundantly, health, prosperity, um, if it's poverty, uh, lack, sickness, death, that's not God. But I wasn't talking about good in that sense. What I was talking about good as in if you write a check and it's a good check, that means they can cash it, right? If they cash it and the bank says, this guy doesn't have the money for that and it bounces all over the place, well, that's not a good check. That's a hot check, as some people call it, bad check, right? So God's word is not a bad check. It's something you can take to the bank, you can cash it. You don't have to wait till you see it. It's like when you're holding the check in your hand, you're not actually able to spend the check directly, right? You can't just go give it to somebody else and spend it. I mean, at least these days that I know of. Um, you got to go cash it first, then you can spend the money you get from, uh, you know, from the check. I think I saw a movie once where a guy was running around with a huge check. Did you guys see that? He was a poor guy, and they gave him a huge check, and he would just show people the check, and they'd give him stuff for free because they're like, oh, he has all this money, really, because of this check. And the check was signed by some real rich guy that everybody knew famous, so he wasn't, they weren't concerned about it, you know, once they saw that. <coughs> and in a sense, that's true because you have everything. You have it all. Just, just sometimes you don't necessarily see it, you know, right when you have it. But it's um, the first verse I want to read, and I don't know if Klaus got that up ready yet, but is Revelation 22.6. So in the ESV, it says, He said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. What I wanted to bring out in this thing is that, that what is it saying about the Lord's words? And it's funny to me because this is God speaking, but he still says this um, about his words. He says, these words are trustworthy and true. Sometimes I think we can forget that, right? God's words are trustworthy and true. They stand. Um, then he says he sent his angel to show his servants what, what, what must soon take place. For me, too, an, another comfort in this verse is that there's some, some things that must take place. And the reason why it's a comfort to me is because sometimes I feel like, oh, um, I'm not where I need to be faith-wise. You know, is, this, is the word of the Lord going to fail because of my lack of faith or because of my having faith? Because of but the Lord's word doesn't fail, right? 
It's gonna, it must take place, must infiltrate in this church and these words. Um, God wants to do good to you, and he's going to do it to you. I do highly recommend coming into agreement with the word of God and speaking that out in your life. So, you know, if you're speaking out good, positive things that God said about you, because he said every good thing you can think of about you in his word, um, and then that's a good thing. But God's doing good to you because he's good, and because his word is true, and because it never fails. Psalm 33, 4. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. You know, just bringing out to you that his word is not going to fail. It's faithful. More faithful than the chairs you're sitting on that you, that you believe they're going to hold you up this whole service. I've had my doubts before. But typically they do the job. God's word is more faithful than that. More faithful than the ground you walk on. More faithful than the sun rising in the morning. If you're confident that tomorrow morning the sun's going to rise, be confident that the word of the Lord is taking place in your life for your good. Psalms 1830. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. I think it's important to realize, too, because, I mean, if you know God's word about you and it's good, then it's like a shield because when the bad things are happening, you say, hey, that's not God's word. That's not, that's not good. And you can put God's word up against it, right, with your mouth when you believe, when you trust in him. And, and the best part is you can just rest in his word even though all chaos is going on around you. You can rest that God's working it out for your good because he is good. And you don't have to um, get all upset. I heard a, like um, from... Joseph Prince, I know you guys probably know that I listen to him sometimes. Um, so from Joseph Prince, so he was talking about, like if there was a, I don't know if everybody's familiar with the story, but in the Old Testament, um, in Egypt, there were some plagues. There were bad things that happened. And uh, <coughs> one of the, the last one was that uh, the firstborn of all the Egyptians would die. And um, if, the, if the Israelites put the blood of the lamb over the doorposts, they would be free from that, from the angel of death um, coming in and, and killing their firstborn. So the, the way he was telling the story is that say there was two families. Excuse me about that. And they were next to each other. That's the bad thing about having breakfast at 4.30, right? You start waking them really early. Um, and the houses are right next to each other. And the one family is like, we got the blood on the doorpost. We're safe. Hallelujah. You see everybody slapping high fives and they're having a great time that whole night even though People are dying outside. They're not concerned because they know that they're safe. But the next family next door um, <coughs> is like, oh, shoot, we put the door over. But, man, we haven't been so that good this year. And we didn't give our tithes. And we just don't know, man. It's, a, it's a pretty rough, been a pretty rough time, right? Uh, and uh, do you think God's really going to save us or whatever? But they did put the, the, the blood on the doorpost, right? So which of those families is going to be saved? Both, they have the blood, right? doesn't matter that those people are panicking and not putting all, they're not having a great time because they know they're safe, but they put the blood up. They had enough faith to put the blood up, to trust in the blood that it was going to save them and not in, you know, they might be doubting now in their house, crying about their tithing, about the whatever they did they think is wrong. Because usually what a lot of what we do that is wrong is just what we thought was wrong, but anyway, it's another story. Um... But they were saved because of the blood, just like we are saved because of Jesus' blood. 
some of us are not always confident in, in, in using that because things are going not the way we want them to, that, um, <coughs> you know, we're not going to experience God's best. In a lot of ways, you know, you've probably heard it said before, you know, you get what, what you believe for. And that's true in a sense because you, you, you can't experience a lot of good things if you don't think that they're there, right? I mean, if I don't believe in cars, I can't take a ride anywhere in a car because <coughs> I don't believe they exist. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, he has saved you. And he doesn't, and, and that's that's him. That's what he's done. It's done as far as he's concerned. It's finished. So you don't have to be um, concerned that, oh, man, I had doubts. I, I wasn't thinking the right way or I wasn't doing things the right way. But Jesus still saved you. He's the one who saved you. It wasn't your works. It wasn't your um, anything except for that you trusted in him. Even if you waver, because you're not wavering in Christ, you're just wavering in, oh, is this, did I do this? It's when we get focused on ourselves that we waver, right? If you're focused on Jesus Christ, you're on the rock. You're on the solid rock and you won't be moved. But if you focus on yourself, you could waver, but it doesn't condemn you. Okay? The Bible says that even if our hearts condemn you, he is greater than our hearts. So I just want to make that clear that just because everything's not going all smooth and stuff doesn't mean that, you know, that Jesus hasn't saved you. You don't get to go to heaven and spend eternity with him because that's the whole reason he came. Hell was never created for humans. It was created for the, the demons who decided not to follow God anymore. People only go there if they don't take the free gift that Jesus Christ has given to them. Second Samuel seven twenty eight, And now, O Lord, God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. And I didn't put the context in there about what the good thing is, but that's why it's important for you to know. Every good thing he's really promised to you. If you read through the Bible, you'll see that every good thing that you could want, he's already said, you know what, I want you to have it. Because if you realize that this whole world was created for you, God created this world so we can enjoy it, so that he can enjoy us, right? We can enjoy it, he can enjoy us. So <coughs> all the promises of God are, are good. Um, and he, and this is, we have to, it's amazing to me that we have to keep repeating this because we're talking about God, right? God's the one who never lies, right? But we still say, Oh, Lord, you are God, and your words are true. Because we have to keep reminding ourselves, God's word is true. Even when it doesn't look like it, you know? Even when it seems that the opposite is true. God's word is true. I think that's super important, and it helps me and encourages me. Sometimes all I can say is, between the blubbering, you know, <laughs> your word is true. Your word is true. Whatever's happening to me, your word is true. And I know that I'm not... The Bible doesn't say, yea, though I camp out in the shadow of death, right? It says, yea, though I walk through. You're on your way through. You're not supposed to put up a resort there, you know, call all your friends and say, let's vacation in the valley of the shadow of death. Move along on. You know what I mean? Get on out. Revelations 21.5. And he who was, who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, now, that's super cool. I'm making all things new. Not some of the things, not the things that only you care about. All things new. God makes all things new. Old things are passed away. But then he also says, write this down. Why do you want to write it down? For these words are trustworthy and true. So just repeating that again, guys, in case. Um, the Bible says two or three witnesses to establish a matter. I'm hoping you guys see that there's a lot of witnesses that say these words are trustworthy and true. The words of God are trustworthy and true. 
13. Deuteronomy 32, 4. The rock, his word is perfect. The rock, his word is perfect. That's what God, one that God's called by, the rock. Because he doesn't move. He'll be hard as far as you can build your house on him. He's a foundation. He's not something that's just going to wash away at the first sign of trouble. For all his ways are justice. Not justice, but justice. You know, they get confused. Her name is Justice, but a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. I end up saying that stuff because I'm going to the next one. <clears throat> so God, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Iniquity means like unequality or failure or missing the mark. Just and upright is he. I'm sure everybody knows what justice means. <laughs> but uh, he's good. His word is good, and he never fails. Uh, yeah. The next verse is First Thessalonians five twenty four. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will surely do it. It wouldn't have to say he will surely do it if right when he said it, it was done, right? Because what are you gonna? You'll be like, oh, why do I need to hear he will surely do it? It's already done. He said it and it's done. He said it and it is done. But sometimes you don't see it, so that's why he says he will surely do it. That's why those words are. Some people say, hey, how come a lot of times you guys talk in the past tense like God has done it all? Because, and the reason why I talk in the past tense like God has done it all, because Jesus said at the, on the cross, it is finished. He didn't say it, I completed most of it, but when you die, you'll finish it up for me. Or I did most of it, but when you do this or that, or get this right in your life, you'll take care of the rest for me. You'll finish the job for me and seal it up for me. He didn't say any of that. He said it's finished. So he says it's finished, so everything is done. Everything is done. But we don't always see it. And that's what faith is. If you if you saw it right away, you don't need faith, right? <coughs> I don't need faith to see this, that there's a stand in front of me, because it's right here in front of me. I see it. There's no faith for that, right? I need faith to believe that God, what God said is true, even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, even when it doesn't seem like it. That's what faith is. <coughs> the evidence of things hoped for. So, I say this to say, too, that it is done, right? It is done. So, he will surely do it. So, it's certainly going to come to pass. Certainly going to come to pass. It's going to happen just like I told you before, like the sun's going to come up tomorrow. If you can believe that the sun's going to come up tomorrow, you can believe that the word is going to come to pass, that it's going to happen. In Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So he's saying everything you can see, feel, touch, and everything else is going to pass away, but my words will not. His words, though we can't see them right now necessarily, are more true than what we do see, more true than what we do stand on more true than what we sit with your trust in. Isaiah 55, 10 to 11. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so my word, <coughs> so my word be that goes out of my mouth, so shall my word be, sorry, goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent him. So his word succeeds, right? It has the power in itself to succeed. It doesn't need, I, I, I really do 
think that we're supposed to believe, like I said before, and trust and, 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 and call his word forth into the world, but I also believe that his word is powerful in of itself, and it's not waiting for something for us, but I do think, you know, definitely, we should definitely put all of our hope and trust in his word. Um, Isaiah 60, 21, 22. Your people shall be a righteous, all be righteous. Oh, wait a second. Your people shall all be righteous. You guys see that one? I don't know. Not just some of them, not just the ones that don't have tats. Don't look around, guys. Everybody straight, straight ahead. Um, all will be righteous, right? All will be righteous. They shall possess the land, therefore, the branch of my planning, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest a mighty nation. I am the Lord. It, in its time, I will hasten it. So he's saying there, in its time, I will bring it about quickly. Hasten it. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. So you guys that are thinking, man, I'm the least one here in this church. Well, yeah, you're going to be a clan, and the smallest one's going to be a mighty nation, right? Um, I ask that you just have Holy Spirit is speaking to your hearts in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, Exodus 23, 29 through 30. I will not drive them from before you in one year. Lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. I don't like to talk too much about this stuff because I'm not sure about it. But it seems to me, personally, okay, <coughs> that that's the reason sometimes that the fulfillment of the word is not immediate. Besides the fact that if it was immediate, like I said before, you wouldn't need faith um, because everything happens right away but also because of this you're not necessarily ready to take over the whole possession that God has for you because if he just popped it in your hands boom it could hurt you like in this case with these people um, if they just got to the land immediately and all the people were cleared out there would be so many wild animals that they would have to fight against them now so now they're dealing they just deal with all these people and now they got to fight against wild animals and stuff because it wasn't enough for them to cover the whole land like all the peoples that were there before them um and so he said little by little so sometimes and i know my brother armando has said that too a lot little by little right a little bit at a time sometimes you know we have an awesome amazing thing to step into in god and sometimes um you step in a little bit at a time so don't be discouraged uh everything's being prepared for you right everything's being prepared for you to walk in all the fullness of what God's given you. That's my opinion on that one, guys. If you guys don't agree, disagree. Hebrews 6, 13 to 20. This one um, is my last one, but it's kind of a little bit of a longer one. This is from uh, 13 to 20. Hebrews 6, 13 to 20. Kind of like um, Paul was talking about the heroes of faith of old and how Abraham was... Um, and trusting God. So it says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. And that's something I wanted to bring out too. And that's the reason why God always says, you know, in the Bible, it's trustworthy and true. Because he's trying to tell you, I'm not going to fail you. I know everybody else has, but I'm not going to do it. And I don't have anybody greater to swear upon because I'm not really trying to fail you. That's really cool, right? But I'm 
I'm going to swear anyways because I want you to know that I'm telling you the truth. So that's why Jesus all the time would say, truly, truly, I say to you, or verily, verily, in old English, but he's saying, hey, listen up, what I'm going to tell you is true, and you can trust in it. You can go to the bank on it. You can put your whole life on it. You don't have to be afraid because my word is true. There's a lot of things that we would uh, we like to put our faith in. Like, I know there's laws that say we have to wear seatbelts. My faith is not in that seatbelt to keep me alive, you know. I'm not, I heard kids are getting chopped in half out there. But let's not talk about that. The, the, well, the purpose I'm saying, the point I'm saying is that everything else could fail you, but he won't. God won't fail you. No matter what else. And sometimes when you're in the darkest places and the only place you can look is to him, that's not the best place in the sense that you want to be in that dark place. But if you started to trust only God in that place, then he used that place for good, right? Like he said, he turns all things for good. Doesn't mean he got you there. Most of the time we reach by our own tickets, right? And then when somebody tries to give us a refund, we take that ticket back because we want to keep going on our track. But... It's never God's plan. But once you're there and you put your faith and everything in him, and he's right there for you. He's right there with you, and he never left you because he never wanted you to be there, but he'll take you right on up out of there immediately. Um, and he wanted you to trust him because that's what's the best place to be at all times. Trusting him is the best to be when you're happy, when you're sad, when it's um, dark, when it's raining. You should be trusting in him because it's just the best place to be in the promised land. That's the rest of the Lord to trust in him. Let me finish this uh, verse. I mean, bunch of verses. Um, so he said, he was, there wasn't anybody greater, so he swore by himself, saying, surely, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. So what did he do? He had to patiently wait. Sometimes you do. But he obtained the promise. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's as good as done, but sometimes you have to patiently wait. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes and oaths, it's final for confirmation. So when God desires desire to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, and that's very important right here, right? Unchangeable. He guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things, unstoppable things, immovable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure, steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Or Melchizedek, however you would pronounce that one. So my point here is that, well, first of all, Jesus, on the order of Melchizedek, if anybody's concerned about that, it just means he's going to live forever. He lives forever even in, in, um, in a body like ours, although it is glorified, glorified body. Um, but those important things that I wanted to point out, too, is that his word, and, and I don't know which verse it is, so I'm sorry, so I'll just say it's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible. And then let me also read this part again, please. So 
the purpose of it, of realizing that it's impossible for God to lie, that his word is good, is so we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast, to hold tight, that means to hold strongly to the hope set before us. Because we have this sure, steadfast anchor. So that's like what I was talking about the rock. It's immovable. It's not going to change. It's not going to, the weather, the tornadoes, the the whatever it is, it's not going to change um, the anchor for your soul that you have in trusting in God's word. So, so that's basically what I want to get to you guys. Uh, so as far as like Kalani told me that we're supposed to have like um, practical application for, for the word of God when you give it. So if I'm going to have one, I mean, I didn't come up with one ahead of time. So if it sounds like I just made it up, that's probably because I just made it up. Um, but the thing is that I want you guys to get out of it is that you can trust God's word. When everything else fails, you can trust God's word. Always, no matter what. It's faithful and true. So when everything else that you trusted and everything else that you relied upon, everyone else that you trusted in and relied upon seems to fail you, let you down, or they did, not just seems to, sometimes they just, they just like, they, unfortunately, they just walked away or they just uh, told you to walk away, whatever it is. God didn't. He won't. He'll never leave. He'll never forsake you. That's what he said in his word, so, and it's true. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He wants the best for you always, and even when you, um, when you mess up, he still loves you. His love for you is not based on your actions. That's people's love. That's conditional love that says, I loved you, but then you messed up, so I don't, you know, or I loved you, but then whatever. You fill in the blank. You slept in today in church Sunday morning. No, you're not. You don't love anymore. <laughs> God loves you no matter what. Okay? He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And I love you all. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I have.